1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Jesus. Word. You are
0: all I'm for today, Master
1: Savior, I have come to seek you.
0: Are you ready to receive the Word of God today? If I could this week, I would have installed seatbelts on your chairs because I'm telling you, you need them today. You need them. I've got a couple of books to give away. Anyone want a book I'm weird because normal isn't working? Trigger, if you come up here, I will give you a book. Come on, let's give it up for Trigger in the house. There you go. Fantastic. Fantastic. Who else wants a book? Well, you know what? I guess I can't resist because Doug's about to grab down the aisle. So I'll give one to your family. There you go. And you can share it. There you go. Okay. just make sure Mona reads it first and then you can read it or you read it first because she'll probably tell you all about it. You need to be like that book, Doug. You know how the women... Come on, guys, help me out. How many knows that we get told? But it's a great, great book, and it's a great series that we're in, and we're going to continue our series today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for every visitor that's come to this place. And God, here at Heartseas, we're only a visitor once, and then we're part of the family. And God, we thank you for an awesome family of people that you've blessed us with. And we thank you, God, for your word that is life-changing. And God, we pray that your word would change us today, that it would revolutionize us, that it would transform us, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. So today we're going to continue the series, and we're going to be doing this up till Christmas. And I know some people might say, well, you know what, Pastor, it's not really a Christmas message. But I beg to differ, because I believe the greatest message of Christmas is the message of change. Because Jesus came and as a result of Him coming, the world was completely and is still completely changed. And I believe the greatest gift that we can give God during this Christmas time is our lives as we present ourselves to God. And a changed life or a transformed life is what God is in the business of. And today we're going to continue, as I said, our series on weird because normal isn't working. And today we're going to look at relationships. We're going to look at marriage. We're going to look at all the things that are involved and goes along with that. And I've entitled this message this morning. Are you ready for it? Water your own lawn. Water your own lawn. Let me say that one more time. Water your own lawn. There is such a need for every one of us to get weird in our marriages And in the relationships that we have. Because we look around us today, normal relationships are ending. There's abuse. There's adultery. There's divorce. There's separation. There's mayhem. And there is absolute confusion. Why? Because normal isn't working. Normal is wrecking our lives. And what else normal does is it begins to deceive us into believing that perhaps this is the best it's going to be. We can look at our spouse and we can say, well, I guess, you know, this is the one, so I'm just going to have to settle and I'm just going to have to go through life miserable and depressed, but at least I've got someone. That's what normal deceives us into thinking. But can I tell you, God can change your relationship. If you will dare to get weird, God can change your relationship because most of the time the problem is not them, the problem is you. We look at everyone else, but many times we're looking at them as a mirror because we're seeing the problem looking right back at us. Who's the problem? We're the problem. And it's time that we change our lives and say, you know what, I'm not going to settle. This is not as good as it's going to get. I'm not going to live a life unfulfilled when it comes to my relationship or to my marriage. Why? Because God is bigger than that and I'm going to get weird. Turn with me again to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14. These are the verses that we've been quoting and using every week. And again, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, if you don't mind, this morning. It says this, verse 13, You can enter God's kingdom, say with me only, It's a key word there that you've got to get. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. They choose the easy way, okay? But the gateway to life is small and the road narrow and only a few find it. In this series, we have been dealing with the fact that for too long, we have made a choice to choose the wrong pathway. We're choosing the broad pathway. Why? Because after all, everyone's doing it. I mean, get up with the times. Don't be so old-fashioned. This is how life is, and this is how life should be. That's what the culture of our day tells us. Everyone is doing it. But I have discovered something, and that is this. If everyone's doing it, it's probably not something I need to do. Because if everyone's doing it, the Bible says that's the broad way and we know which way that is going. But the Bible says there is a weird way. There is a narrow way. And we've been looking at how we need to be weird with our time. That when we're there, we need to be all there. Last week, we looked at how we need to be weird with our money and wealth and realize how blessed that we are. And today we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about relationships. And the series is going to continue as we go on. And believe it or not, the week after next, we're going to talk about sex. He said that word in church. I can't believe that. Some of you are thinking right now, we're going to be there that Sunday. We're going to be there. That's one Sunday we're not going to miss. But it's a Broadway that never will produce the results. That's the problem. The Broadway looks good. It's got the glitz and it's the, got the glamour, it's got the bright lights. Everyone's going. you know what it's like if you're out somewhere and you see a crowd going somewhere. What do you want to do? You want to go and see what's going on because there's got to be something of interest. But what we discover is that way does not produce results. It doesn't produce results in our time and in our finances. And it's not a way that's going to produce results in our marriage. But instead, it's going to leave us frustrated. It's going to leave us disillusioned. And it's going to leave us broken. Everyone's doing it, Pastor. The very reason why we don't any longer need to. There's only one way to life. It's the weird way. It's the normal way. It's the strange way. Why would you want to do that? I mean, come on. But it's a way that is God's way and it's a way that still works today because normal is broken. Today I want to look at how we can be weird, as I said, in our relationships and we're going to kind of tackle it from two angles. Because I know that everyone in here is not married. I know everyone in here is not in a relationship. So we don't want to exclude anyone today, so we're going to look first and foremost at the fantasy of what we think a marriage or a relationship is, the images that we've painted in our minds, what the culture of today has told us. And then we're going to look at the second aspect of when we are in a relationship or we're married, the reality of what it has become or the reality of really what it is. Dr. Seuss says something that's pretty cool, and he says these words, we are all a little weird and life's a little weird and when we find someone whose weirdness is compatible with ours we join up with them and fall into mutual weirdness and we call it love and everyone said ah oh, and the holy people said amen i like that In the culture that we live in today, most of us grow up fantasizing about what our futures hold. And the one that we're going to hold our future with. We look forward to that day, the wedding day, that's going to be the solution to every problem of our lives. Many look at marriage or that relationship as finding that special one to be the answer. When I find that, that's the answer. Everything else is going to click into place. That day is going to change my life. That's the answer. That's what I'm looking for in life. It's amazing too the different perspective of a young girl versus a guy. A girl's perspective is she dreams of that day. She cannot wait for that day. She plans that day. And in her mind after that day only perfection's going to follow. That we're going to purchase the cutest house, we're going to enjoy the most romantic life with Mr. Perfect. We're going to have two beautiful kids with wonderful names that she picked out in first grade. It's a girl's perspective. Listen to a guy's perspective. Guys grow up of dreaming that gorgeous woman and having sex twice a day. And three times on a Sunday and we're still dreaming. I mean, that's the difference. (laughs) You woke up there, right? I'm I'm glad you woke up. But that's the different perspective. But we all look and we think, if we can just get there, then everything's going to be complete. If I can just get to that place, my whole life is gone. Then after that, it's just gravy from then on out. And listen, there is nothing wrong with having dreams in regards to your marriage. And in regards to relationships. But the problem is when we look more for an ideal instead of the reality of life. There's a story in the Bible of a man called Jacob. Jacob steals his brother Esau's birthright. He takes off running really for his life. To be honest with you, he probably thought that day that his life was over because here he is running he doesn't really know where he's going he's looking for a relative that his mum's told him to go and find but reality he's thinking to himself man you know what why did i deceive my dad i could have had a comfortable life things could have been good but now i'm going to have nothing i should never have listened to my mother and done uh, all these things are going through his mind and he sees Rachel while all this confusion is going on he sees Rachel And all of a sudden, his life completely changes. The Bible says that he falls head over heels in love with Rachel. Look what it says in Genesis 29, verse 18 through 20. It says, now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I'm going to serve seven years for Rachel. This is what he says to Laban. This is what he says to his uncle. I'm going to serve seven years for your youngest daughter. And Laban says, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. So go ahead, stay with me. Look what it says in verse 20. This is how complete his life all of a sudden felt. It says, then Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days because of the love that he had for her. Can we all say, ah, seven years just seemed like a moment because he saw the one. He saw Rachel. And I mean, this Rachel's beautiful. Someone over here saying, that's love. and I mean, this is love. And this Rachel, I mean, is something beautiful. But what we've got to watch is, we've got to watch that normal wants to kick in gear. He sees Rachel and normal says, you've got to do whatever it takes to get her. And we're not going to go into that today. But what he offers to give in seven years is actually about four times more than what he needed to have given. But you see, normal just says, whatever it takes, I'm just going to go after that. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. After God's created me to be happy and have the right life and the right wife and all those. Yes, that's true. But you and I have got to make sure that every step we take is a step of caution. Because normal doesn't buy into that. What normal wants to do is normal sees a young lady or sees a young man and wants to go two feet flying and wants to just jump into it. It sees its prize. It's, That's the goal. That's my answer. That's what I need. But can I tell you today, you need to be careful. Because when you and I go into a relationship expecting that our spouse-to-be can meet all of our needs, And eliminate all the struggles that we have in our lives. Come on, we're going to have some significant challenges that we're going to have to face. Let me say that one more time. When we go into a relationship expecting our spouse can meet all of our needs and eliminate all the struggles, it sets us up for some significant challenges. We've got to watch for the fantasy world. We've got to watch for that which we have concocted in our minds, because fantasy and reality are quite a bit different from each other. There's a big difference between them. And here's some of the challenges that we will face when we allow normal to take control in our marriage and in our relationships. And and we don't just go ahead with caution, but yet we say, oh, if I can just get to there, my life will be complete. Is the first challenge. The first challenge is that of compromise. Now listen to me today. When you view someone as your savior, you quickly become willing to compromise your standards. But that's the one, Pastor Philip. I mean, that's the one that God has called me to be with. I mean, that was the one that God made me for. Maybe it is. But proceed with caution. Be weird. Don't just do what normal does. Let me give you a scenario. A young lady sees that guy. She doesn't want to leave him. She doesn't want to lose him. She wants to show him how much she loves him. She wants his attention. So what does she do? She gives in and sleeps with him, knowing that was a standard that she said that she was not going to step the boundary of. But what does she do? She compromises for what reason? Because she's found the one. The other reversal for a guy could be the fact of, in order to try and keep a young girl and to try and impress her, what do we do? We go out there and we want to buy the nicest car. We want the sports car. We want all the stuff. We're going to shower her with gifts. We're going to take her out for the nicest meals. We're going to give her roses and flowers. We're going to buy her the nicest ring. We're going to do all these things. And it's great to do those things if you've got the money to do it. But what do we do? We charge, 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 charge. And then when we come into a relationship, guess what? We've got the stress of the debt that now is involved in our relationship. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And here's the second challenge that we face. And that is the challenge of entitlement. Entitlement. You see, normal looks at the other as a prize. I've got it. It's now mine. I'm entitled. That's mine. That's what I want. And then what begins to happen is there begins to be a comparison that takes place. Well, I did this for you, so now I'm entitled to get this. I bought you this. Now I can get this. You've got to watch because normal wants to play the entitlement game that I owe. You owe me now something because I did something for you. Remember the story we were talking about, Who Jacob, who thought his life was over, and then he saw Rachel and his life just began? Seven years he worked, just like a day. And look what happens when that day finally comes. Genesis 29 verse 21 says this, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. Here should be the most perfect and the most romantic night the world has ever known. Seven years of working hard, and now he has the love of his life. Finally they can be together. What a fairy tale ending. And they lived happily ever after. But is it? Those words that I may go into her in the original language or that I will lie with her, is not in the sense of a romantic love. You've got to understand this. But rather in a sense of a lustful, sexually charged demand. What Jacob was basically saying that day was, I'm entitled to what is now mine, give it to me. Can you see what normal is doing? We're in love, but now all of a sudden the love is a little bit skewed. And now what should be romantic and the greatest night now is a lustful demand. Give me that because it's now mine. That kind of mindset is never a mindset that you can build a healthy marriage upon. But today that's normal. Today, that's become normal. But it doesn't have to be. Here's another challenge that we'll face. And that is this, the challenge of bitterness. Because through the disappointments, through being let down, through not getting, through compromising our standards and realising what we've given ourselves to is perhaps not what we thought it was. And now there's an entitlement issue and there's demands and I'm trapped and I'm controlled. Then it goes into the bitterness stage because I'm so disappointed and there's such dissatisfaction. I'm hurt. And talk about being bitter Jacob was probably the bitterest out of all because when he wakes up the next day, he realizes he's got Leah and he doesn't even have Rachel. He was tricked. Tricked. His expectations, our expectations that we have are perhaps even today laying in pieces all around us because that's what normal does. I thought this was my dream moment. I thought if I could just have that special person only to see those dreams crashed and the fantasy gone. Because normal wants us to fail in relationships. Normal today is so happy when it talks about the statistics of divorce higher than they have ever been before. Normal loves that and people say that's okay, everyone else is doing it. To go into relationships with the wrong intentions and expectations will cause us to fail many times. Leaving us questioning whether there is really someone out there for me. Am I going to find someone today? I'm going to throw this in here and, 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 and know that you can handle this today and please understand. Because of the hurts of so many relationships today, that's why lesbianism and homosexuality is running rampant today. Because people are looking in another way for love to try and find something else. I'm telling you right now, normal is not going to work. And if you go that route, that's even more normal and it's even more broken than the other route. We've got to get weird again. I said, we've got to get weird again. We've got to start doing things God's way. We've got to start going into things God's way. Yes, it can be the greatest day of our lives, but that's not the answer to our problems. And this is what we're going to talk about right now. We're going to look. Why? Because we're left questioning and we're less doubting. I mean, is there ever going to be? Am I ever going to be happy? Will I ever find the right one? And the problem with finding yourself there is when you're hurt, you make hurt decisions. When you're lonely, you make lonely decisions. The worst place that you can be in to choose your future spouse is hurt, wounded or lonely because you're going to make a hurt, wounded, lonely decision. But normal says that's okay. If you've failed once, you're probably going to fail again, but that's okay. Third time's a charm. I mean, that's what normal's telling us today. It's okay. It's okay. I want to show you today how we can get Our relationships and our marriages, perhaps they're normal right now, but we can get them back to being weird. And if we're not in a relationship, how we can go into a relationship that is weird, that is God's way. Here's the biggest problem or the biggest reason why we find ourselves here. Are you ready for this? We're looking for the wrong number. We're looking for the wrong number. Now, I'm not talking about give me your digits. That's not the number I'm talking about. But we're looking for the wrong number. Like Jacob, most normal people believe that to be really fulfilled in life, you've got to find the one. I mean, after all, everyone has the one out there. The one that's just for you. How many times have you heard it said or perhaps said, I think I found the one. Come on, help me out in church today. I think I found the one. And they look at you and say, but you thought that was the one. Oh no, this one's different. This is the one. Well, what makes him different? He's just different. Just trust me. I don't know what it is, but there's, can I tell you, you better know what it is. You better start knowing what it is or you're going to be disillusioned once again and you're still going to be looking for another one. You better start knowing what you want and what is life all about. Don't go into it blind because that's what normal's telling us to do. Why? Because there's plenty of other fish if this one swims away. But Pastor P, this is oh, this is the ha ha. This is the one. This is the epitome of femininity. I mean, this is. I mean, if God Himself could be on this earth, bam! Right there is what it is. But here's weird, are you ready? It's not, I've found the one of my life. But weird says, I've found the two of my life. We're looking for the wrong number because the number one of our lives has to be God. Let me say that again. I know it sounds pretty cheesy and it sounds pretty corny, but can I tell you right now, the problem perhaps from not finding the one is because we're looking to the wrong one. God has to be the number one of our lives. We've said this for months now. It all begins and it ends in relationship. What relationship? Our relationship with God. Come on, we got to get our relationship with God where it needs to be. What does the Bible say? Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go after God with everything you have. Someone asked us yesterday, Kelly and I were somewhere, and someone said, oh, you're such a cute couple how did you find each other? How did you find each other? And and, and I know why people ask that because they look and say, however did he do it? I mean, they look and say, whatever did he do? Then she said, oh, you're such a cute couple. How did you do it? How did you meet? And I looked at her and I said, the best place you can meet. I said, in church. She really didn't say much back, but I didn't care. I think that's the best place to find your wife in church. I think that's the best place to find your husband in church. But listen, don't find them the ones sitting on the back row. Watch out the back row. Find someone who has their hands up in the air a little bit more than you. Find someone who's got greater passion for God than you. Find someone that loves God more than you. That's the two of your life. Because God is the number one one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All these things. Have you got some all things? All these things God says, I'll add to your life. Normal subtracts, God adds. Normal divides, God multiplies. Come on, do you get the picture? Weird is not normal because normal ain't working. Look at your neighbor and say, sure ain't working. I know this is weird and I know it's normal, but if we want to find a spouse, find God truly first. What is the first commandment that God gives us or God gave the children of Israel? He said this, you are to have no other gods before me. In other words, he said you to love me with all of your heart and have no idols. Nothing else that becomes an idol. Listen to me. When we want our relationship or our marriage more than a relationship with God, that relationship and marriage has become an idol in our lives. I'm going to say that again because only this corner over here got it. Let me talk talk over here a second. You see, when we go after a relationship and a marriage more than a relationship with God, that then becomes an idol in our lives. God says we're not to have idols. Seek first His kingdom. I'm going to hit you with something today. Craig Rochelle quotes this in his book, Weird Because Normal Isn't Working. And I think this is incredible. Listen to this. It's going to be on the screen. If we focus on God first and view our spouse as the gift, as his gift to us, we will stop expecting another person to do what only God can do. Wow. And let's say that backwards. Wow. Putting God first, listen to me, but putting God first does not guarantee that your marriage and your relationship is just going to be a bed of roses. That it's just going to be easy. But listen, it's going to be, or it's going to help you as we still go through the struggles and the challenges. And it's going to be easier than finding ourselves in compromise and entitlement and bitterness. So now here's the second half of the message, dealing with the reality of what we have and where our marriages are at or where they need to be. If today you want your marriage to be better than normal, you must concentrate on your marriage, you must communicate in your marriage, and you must collaborate in your marriage. In other words, you've got to start tending your garden. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to start tending your garden. It's so sad that not long into marriage, most normal couples stop doing what made them close. And they wonder why they find themselves coexisting like roommates. Here's the title of the message today, and hold on to your chair. This is where we needed the seatbelts today. If the grass looks greener someone else, it's time to start watering your own lawn. If the grass is looking greener someone else, can I tell you right now? It's time that you start watering your own lawn. Well, wow! If I could just have that person, or just—I mean, I mean—look at, get your eyes off of the fantasy. That's normal stuff, and I'm telling you, it's not going to work. You're where you're at right now, so you know what? Don't settle, because that's normal too. you got to start looking and saying, I've got to start doing some work. I need to start watering my lawn. My marriage, my home's going to be the greenest grass on the block. Come on, I'm going to do some changes. Say with me, concentrate. Concentrate. Here's the first thing we need to do. Remember, we talked about compromise, entitlement, and bitterness? That's what we find when we go normal way. But if we want our lives to be weird, here's where we've got to start. We've got to start concentrating. We've got to start focusing in on our home, our wives, our husbands, our families. We've got to start putting the necessary investment into what's needed. Why? Because normal wants results with no input. Normal says, I'm going to get something out, but I'm not going to put something in. It may work for a while, but normal's soon going to have you bankrupt. You've got to start putting some stuff in. You've got to start inputting, putting some tender care into your garden. I'm here to tell you today that there is no area of your life that you can stop working on and see any kind of growth. No area of your life that you can stop working on and see any kind of growth. I'll give you an example. Go out there and eat whatever you want, and don't exercise and see if your body is still going to be healthy. Doesn't happen. The Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't say, it, but it's a truth. Those who indulge bulge. You can't expect to be healthy when you're doing the wrong things, and it's the same in our marriages. There's no area of our lives that we can stop working on and still see healthy growth. And yet normal people neglect their marriage and sit back and expect it to thrive. The answer is not what normal tells us, just to cut your losses and go elsewhere. But the answer today is you've got to start watering your own lawn. Your lack of attention is the reason your lawn is dying. Your lack of involvement is the, real, is, the, is the reason why your marriage is not where it needs to be. And it's not their fault, it's your fault. You handle your business and let God take care of them and their business. Come on, do I hear an amen in the house? We get so busy worrying about everyone else and in our relationship, the other person, our spouse, our husband, our wife, we get so worried about them that we forget our own responsibilities. Start watering your own lawn. Something about a garden is this. Can I tell you, in the natural, my grass can be green. In my yard, even if Kelly doesn't go out and water the lawn, if I'm out there watering the lawn, the grass is going to get green. Now, you may say, well, you need some kind of help and response. I'm telling you that it will come. You go out there and you keep watering and you keep watering and you keep watering and you hold on and you keep trusting and you remember that person's your number two because God's your number one and you don't lose focus with that and you keep watering and you keep watering. Why? Because your marriage is like a garden. If you want it to be a living, growing garden, it will require planting, tending, watering, and weeding. Normal says everyone's marriages are failing. Just go ahead and move on. There's a statistic out there. You would think, well, okay, if that's failed, then I can move on and be a success. But you know, there's been statistically proven that the more times a person has been divorced, the higher the likelihood that he or her's next marriage is not going to work. Because you see, the the problem is not the marriage the problem is the person in the marriage in the beginning god created a garden and he called it eden and he placed adam and eve in it look what it says in genesis 2 verse 24 you still with me today genesis 2:24 it says therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh The word there, joined, or another word for joined there is, in some translations, united. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, united with his wife. That word joined or united means this, to cling or to adhere. To catch by pursuit. To pursue hard, look at this, with affection and devotion. I wonder today if we are really united to our spats. I wonder if we're really clinging and adhering to them. I wonder if we're catching them by pursuit. Meaning, are we putting the concentration, the work? Are we going after? Are we pursuing hard with affection and devotion? Or are we expecting it just to happen with no involvement? It's amazing, isn't it? When we date, we pursue each other. When we were dating, we pursued each other. But we've also got to do the same pursuing in marriage. And it has to be more than just having good intentions. We must do it. How many times do we say, well, they've got good intentions. Listen, good intentions are great. But you've got to start putting those intentions to work. Come on, wife, hit your husband. Husband, hit your wife and say he's preaching to you right now. You wimps. No guy did it, did you? I know how you are. Here's the second part. You still with me today? Communication. Communication. Communication is a non-brainer essential ingredient to any healthy relationship. If you don't communicate, a relationship will never grow. And our marriages are no exception. It takes effort to continue to work on communication day after day, year after year. Do I hear an amen? Because what tends to happen, we get so used to each other, instead of looking at each other and saying, yes, dear, that would be absolutely awesome. We now have got that kind of body language that we talk and we just look and go, uh. (laughs) Or we don't say nothing at all. And then the kids are thinking, well, what's the answer? And Mum's already moved on because she knows the answer because she knows that. We've got to start working on our communication because sometimes communication to us can become a nod, a grunt or a yelp. I mean, not much. But we've got to start watering our own lawn. We've got to learn how to communicate again. Learn how to look at each other when we talk. Why? Because a wife needs that FaceTime. She needs to know that you're listening. Guys, we can magically out of the hat pull out those words when she says, you're not listening to me. And you say, oh, yes, I am. You just said that you were at the store at 5 o'clock in the morning and someone stole that TV just as you were about to get it. But the reality is we've heard them, but we're not listening to them. We've got to learn how to communicate. Guys, can I tell you right now, communication is not sex. He said that word again in church. I'm going to find another church. And when they asked me why I left that church, that pastor just talked about sex. But guys, you've got to realize that's not what she's getting. She's not getting that communication. If you want to communicate with your wife, guys, here's how you do it. Words of affection. Words of affection. Words of affection. That's what you need to pursue your wife with because normal guys do this when they're dating, but they forget it when they're married. Listen to me today, I'm trying to help you get weird in your relationship and marriage. Why? Because normal isn't working. Don't be normal. Give your wife words of affection. Tell her how special she is to you. Love her, honour her with your words. And guys, women need non-sexual affection. Non sexual affection. And guys, just in case you didn't understand that, that's affection with no sexual strings attached. It's affection with no hands on, if you know what I'm talking about. And it does exist. I said it does exist. Don't be like a normal man and stop giving her verbal compliments after your marriage. Craig Rochelle in his book, Normal, Weird Because Normal Isn't Working, I think gives an incredible help for us as guys. And he instructs us as guys just to do a simple thing, and that is add a word. Say that with me, guys. Add a word. Add a word. And here's the word. I'm going to give you the word. Are you ready? Because. Say that with me, guys. Come on, ladies. Nudge him and say, I can't hear you. Come on, guys. Say that. Because. Because. Here's a simple word that I think can change a marriage. When you look at your wife and you say to them, I love you, add the word because afterwards. I love you because. And then fill in the blanks. I love you because you are so kind. I love you because you are such a great mother. I love you because you are so loyal. I love you because you are so kind and you are so given. Now, ladies, please help me out here. When he starts adding that word, don't look at him and say, you're just saying that because Pastor P told you to. I mean, he's trying, isn't he? I mean, just... Let him let him speak some because come on, you want that affection. Let him start speaking because. When he starts saying because don't look at him and say you're just saying that. Stop throwing your hands in the air and start praising God. Because that's what you've been waiting for. I love you because. And guys, can I help you out again? Don't use the same because every time. And guys, don't say, I love you because of how you take care of me and and it's all about you again. Love them because of who they are. And ladies, while he's trying to give you words of affection, make sure you're giving him words of affirmation. Make sure you're affirming your husband. Because I'm telling you right now, whether we'll admit it or not, because our pride doesn't want us to admit it. But the reality is this, we need it. Most men are very insecure and they need to know that they're special. In the societies we live today, we're almost set up that we're only going to be successful to the next step or the next. There's always something that we've got to be more successful. When we've got this and we've sold this much this month, next month comes around and it's, there's a need inside of us to be more successful. And when we're not, we're down. I mean, men today live in that kind of world where we need affirmation. Ladies, build him up with your words in a world that tears him down. And listen to you. He can hear anything from anyone else. He can hear that he's the greatest coach. He can hear that he's the greatest person. He can have the plaque on the wall that says you are the top salesman. He can have all those kind of things from everywhere else. But you know what he needs more than anything? He needs it from his home. He needs to hear it from you because you know what? All that stuff doesn't matter what you say and how you look at him is what matters the most to him. He'll believe what you say over everything else that others say. Now, ladies, you may turn around and say, well, you know what? There's not a whole lot to affirm him about. Well, you find what you can and you start praising him. But you know what? The Bible also says you start speaking life and not death. Instead of saying you're a lazy, good-for-nothing this or that or whatever, you start saying and finding stuff and you start affirming him. And even if he doesn't have a job, just you start saying to him, you're a breadwinner and there's a job out there for you. You go and get it. Come on. We're going to pray and we're going to believe God together. You start affirming him that when he walks into that interview, his head is up high and he's not discouraged from the get-go. So we're talking today about communication. Having communication, not just the grunts and the nods and sitting there, but being open and responding. Guys non sexually giving the affection. Ladies affirming. Why? Because, ladies, you know, here's what you want to know every day Does he love me? And here's what a guy needs to know every day Does she believe in me? Not wrong. Just different. Thank you, those of you who are here for the last series. And finally, just stay with me for a few more seconds, and I promise it's going to be worth your while. The third area is collaborate. To collaborate means you've got to start working together. We've got too many homes today that are fighting against each other. Fighting against each other. Start helping each other out. Start working Together. If you want to improve the quality of your marriage in a weird way, surprise your spouse by helping without being asked, nagged, or told. Let me say that one more time. If you want to improve the quality of your marriage in a weird way, surprise your spouse by helping out without being asked, nagged, or told. Guys, one of the most romantic things to do for your wife is to just help her. Now, I thought I was going to get some amens there. You disappointed me with that. Or were you all so speechless, you just didn't, you, the words just couldn't come. You're like. <laughs> Roses are great. Chocolates are great. Taking her out for a nice meal is great. It's like I've said so many times, and we laugh with our kids. Listen to me. There's no substitute to soap and water. There's no substitute to soap and water. There is no substitute to doing the most important things. Because I remember that time, and I've shared this story, when a lady, dad, was buying some roses for my mom for her birthday, and he was buying like three or four dozen roses for my mom. And I remember we were in there, and, uh, and this lady goes, I hate roses. My dad looked at it and said, You hate roses? Why? She said, I hate roses because of what they stand for. Because roses, every time I got them, was because I'm sorry for something awful that I had done to you. And she says, Now I absolutely hate roses. She says, Because it was always a sorry, a sorry, a sorry. Don't allow those things. You've got to work together. Those things should never take the place of. They enhance. They don't take the place of. So guys, get romantic with your wife. Do some stuff to help her. I, I talk about this in our marriage counseling class. You know the vacuum cleaner fits... A vacuum cleaner is unisex. It fits both a male hand and it fits a female hand. You don't have to just have a female touch for it to miraculously come on. And guys, there is a switch on the vacuum cleaner. Don't just grab it and say, well, it's not working, sweetheart. Look for the switch. Trey said the weed weed eater has a unisex handle on it. Trey, take that up with your wife. I'm not going there. I'll I'll tell you this, though. Kelly and I collaborate when it comes to doing the yard. A lot of the time I'll go out and she'll always say to me if she's got time, she said, Philip, start the mower for me and I'll start cutting the grass while you're weed-eating. And we work together. I'll weed eat all the house, and by the time I come back, she's cut all the front yard, and then I just have to cut the backyard. But if I dick, dip around the back and sit down for a while, she's can of, no, I'm only playing, no, i only <laughs> We'll tell you a funny story, though. She says to me, Philip, she said, the grass has got to be cut one more time. And I was like, oh, man, no, it looks great. She goes, Philip, please, just cut the grass one more time. And while you're cutting the grass, I'm just going to do a little weeding. So Tuesday or Monday, we're out. So I'm cutting all the front, and I'm listening to Weird because normal isn't working, my audio book, and I'm just having a good time, and I'm mowing all the front, and I come around the back, and she is in this flower bed that we haven't tackled for like two years. And it's trees and all overgrown, the And there is limbs and there is branches and there is weeds, everything everywhere. I thought she was just going to be pulling a few weeds. I didn't know she was going to like manicure the whole garden. And bless her heart, I'm not going to say it serves her right because it doesn't. But bless her heart, she got in poison ivy or whatever and she is just like rashed all over. So keep her in your prayers, please. She had to have a shot yesterday and she wasn't very happy about that. But guys work together. You know what, Kelly and I love doing stuff like that together. We love working together. We're driving to Miami today. We're going on a cruise for the week. So just pray for us as we suffer this week for the Lord. But you know what? (laughs) Kelly doesn't want to fly, so I've got to collaborate and I've got to drive. Miami's a long way to drive when you could be on a plane and be there in two hours. Do you, do you, you know what I'm talking about? But you know what? We're looking forward to the drive because you know throughout the drive, we can communicate, we can collaborate, we can just talk, and we can just enjoy each other's company. I'm getting ready to close this morning, but Craig Rochelle also says this. And we know this first part, but he adds a second good part. To get what you've never had, you must do what you have never done. But to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Let me say that last part again. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. I don't care where we're at on the scale of relationship. There was a day when we were obviously very happy. There was a day when we were fulfilled and and things were great. And if we're not in that place and our marriage is not growing in that fulfillment, you know what? We need to stop and reevaluate our lives. And we need to find weirdness again. One last scripture comes from Revelations 2 verse 5 and it says these words, Remember therefore from when you have fallen and repent and do the first work. Let me read that first part of the verse again. Remember therefore from where you have fallen and repent and do the first work. One translation says repent and do the things that you did at first. What have we applied that scripture to our marriage today? What if we applied those words of God's word to our marriages today? If we do, then there's something that we need to do. And that is this. There's many of us today that needs to repent. Listen to me. We need to repent. We need to apologize and do the things again that we did at the beginning. Listen to me today. Don't fall into the normal trap and allow life to squeeze out all the things that made your relationship work. It might feel weird again at first, but stick with it. Why? Because weird is good and normal isn't working. Here's my prayer. Here's Kelly and I's prayer for every one of you. I want to see God bless you with a wonderfully weird marriage. Not just one that's built upon expectations that are false and false ideals. I want God to see you, each one of you, blessed with a wonderfully weird marriage. But if it's going to work, we've got to learn how to, what, concentrate, communicate, and collaborate. And we've got to get away from the compromise, the entitlement, and the bitterness. Because you know what? Normal isn't working, but weird sure does. Wednesday night, come back. We're going to be discussing this further. It's going to be a great night. You don't want to miss it. Would you stand to your feet?
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.